What About Us, a podcast about how policies affect rural Tennesseans, now available on iTunes and Google Play. Thanks to everyone who has tuned in and told your friends about the podcast. The purpose of What About Us is to bring real information from the best people in our state to break down the complex issues we face, especially in rural Tennessee. By increasing our knowledge and understanding, we will have a stronger voice when financial and policy decisions about health care, education, and small businesses are made. Today I'm talking to Randall Rice from the Tennessee Healthcare Campaign. His focus has been on Tennessee's rural hospital closures. We have heard about this crisis for several years now as the number of hospitals closing increases. I had to buy a roadmap to figure out where these towns and counties were. Tennessee has had the most rural hospital closures per capita in the country, currently 13? Yes. With many others in financial peril. Welcome, Randall. What is happening to our hospitals? Our rural hospitals are going away. Our state is hollowing them out. Uh, well, rural hospitals used to be a great source of pride for a community. For They're not only a source of pride, but they're an invaluable resource to maintain a community, uh, to build the community and allow the local folks to prosper without having to go away. I think closures have been kind of a trend since, would you say, maybe the 1960s or so? There's been a lot of closures going on for a long time, but typically up until more recent years, there's been a lot of transitioning maybe from locally owned hospitals to corporate owned and that sort of thing. So healthcare networks. Just yes. along with so many other things that we're seeing, which is the big business of medicine. It's the big business, and, and, and big business has had, a, in some places, a very bad impact on local mm-hmm. health care. Right. And specialization, you used to go to your doctor, and he would pretty much do everything from delivering babies to sewing you up. And, and now they don't do that. No, they don't do that. Um, Again, specialization and technology advances. We used to be in the hospital for three or four days for a gallbladder or some other procedure. Now it's it's one day, and there's also the technology that goes with that uh, advances in surgical techniques as well as many others. And technology has been at least a small part of the reason that hospitals have closed. Trying to keep up with Trying them. to keep up, and, and they simply don't have the financial base to do so, but they thought they had to to compete with uh, bigger operations, and, and, and they can't do that. And to keep the confidence up with the public. Yes. Nobody wants to go into an old hospital yes. here. Um, we always say that Tennessee is second only to Texas, uh, because Texas is so big. So I wondered this afternoon how many hospitals had closed in Texas. 85 since 2010. Wow. That's, that's I, a lot. I think we're, we pretty much have a hold on number two. Yeah. I hope. That's, let's, let's hope we don't get to be number one. So factors more specific to um, Tennessee, I've heard a lot about pay or mix. Uh, less commercial insurance due to independent or low-wage workers, especially in rural areas that don't have any insurance coverage. Uh, Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates are low. Uh, there's just less private insurance um, to pay uh, 
for spiraling costs in healthcare that we hear every day in the news, how much everything costs. And it does cost a lot, but uh, the, the payer mix is a major problem in, in Tennessee, in the rural areas particularly, because we have, in the rural areas, we have a lot more older people. We have a lot more people with low-wage incomes. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a, a lot of poverty in the low areas. And those people do not have insurance. And we have a lot of seniors that their insurance is Medicare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the payer mix insurance, uh, private insurances, and goodness knows there's all sorts of reports about how much more they pay than Medicare, but they pay considerably more than Medicare does. Medicare is designed to pay the bill, but not a lot of profit. Right. Then Medicaid uh, a number I saw recently was they typically pay about 62% as much as Medicare. Mm-hmm. So if the mix is not right and it's heavy on the Medicaid side, or even worse, on the side of uh, people who have no insurance at all and can't pay at all, then, then that spells the doom of a health care practice. Well, and a lot of uh, people in, in rural Tennessee are younger so that they are on Medicaid if they qualify, and also uh, the children. And we're going to talk a little bit about maternity care, but lots of rural women are childbearing age and depend on Medicaid for their uh, care and And, support, especially for any complications. And they're probably some of the fortunate ones because one of the the gateways into Medicaid, Tennessee, as we call it in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. is having a child under the age of 19, and that will entitle uh, not only the child but both parents to get Medicaid and have some insurance. Without the child, they can't get it absent some very special cases. And we've had some problems with with that too. Um, Of course, a big uh, part of Tennessee's situation is the lack of Medicaid expansion. Medicaid uh, expanded states, this is where um, under uh, the ACA, uh, states could opt to get a higher level of reimbursement in Tennessee. You've probably heard the number $1.4 billion a year, which um, we have turned down. Um, but a study by the Institute for Healthcare Policy Innovation says that states that expanded eligibility for Medicaid in 2014 experienced dramatic decreases in uninsured hospital stays. The average was 7%. Kentucky dropped a whole 13.5%, meaning that their payer mix for hospital care was better. It was dramatically improved. <laughs> and we, uh, I, I think $1.4 billion per year is probably right. And that's money that's going to some other state. Right. The money's so, already appropriated, right. so someone's going to spend it. Right, right. Unexpanded states, of course, had little change um, in their revenue sources. So expansion is really considered by the experts a major step towards stabilizing hospital hospitals and addressing health care and health care costs. And the legislature here in Tennessee has repeatedly refused to even bring Medicaid expansion to a floor vote uh, for five years. Um, and 
in that would have been so helpful in reversing our downward spiral on a variety of health care indices. Tennessee is a, speaking of dramatic, unhealthy state. On a previous um, podcast, um, I gave some rankings. We're 42 overall, and things like maternal mortality, uh, infant mortality, cardiovascular deaths, diabetes, and obesity were below 50, uh, quite a bit actually on some of them. And most uh, um, tragic, I, I feel, as a, a oncology nurse specialist, um, cancer death rates uh, and also um, opioid deaths are going up while the rest of the country uh, seems to be doing a little bit better. Also, Remote Area Medical uh, was founded in 1985 to bring health care to people in other underdeveloped countries. They'd come to Tennessee quite a bit. When we were talking about 10 care for the children, uh, it's now up to 220,000, they estimate, that children uh, on 10 care were dropped by mistake this past year. Yeah, we, we've heard numbers from 200,000 to 220. I'm not sure that they know how many there are. <laughs> There's a lot. Right, right. Okay. Um, so let's talk specifically about a few of our rural hospitals. What kinds of situations led them to, to closing? What was the process? Okay. 13 to pick from. 13 to pick from. Well, we just visited uh, one of those hospitals a couple of days ago over in Polk County. Mm-hmm. I believe the name was Copper Basin uh, Medical Center. Uh, this one has a particularly interesting uh, background in that it was actually financed and paid for by workers in that part of the county in 1954. They worked in the mines? Or they worked in the mines. mines. Uh, uh, deductions were withheld from their pay that they voluntarily agreed to do to finance the hospital. Operated up until the mines closed, uh, and then I think it was two years ago, uh, two years ago in October it will be, the hospital closed. Just simply they ran out of money. And a big part of it uh, happened that when the mines were in full force, there were 4,000 employees that had insurance and they uh, went to the hospital for their care, and the insurance paid the bill. And when those mines closed, suddenly those 4,000 people were no longer uh, insured customers of the hospital, and it was a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And the lack of once the incomes and insurance went down, and we did not have the eligibility for Medicaid for low-income folks, then the burden eventually got to the point where they simply couldn't operate. Did they have any uh, any possible purchasers for that hospital? Is it too remote or the hospital is the hospital is very remote. It sits in a corner of the state that's isolated from the rest of the state by a mountain range. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cherokee uh, National Forest. They did have one uh, considered uh, purchaser from Erlanger, I think it was, and it, it's really a sad situation. They declined to sell it, and it was a lot of uh, emotions involved. People had a lot of 
personal interest. Like I said, they paid for it mm -hmm. and didn't want to let go. Then once they realized that they couldn't keep it, then it was too late. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, some hospitals do go into like a consortium or a, a what do you call it, kind of a corporate overall structure. Yeah. We we have a lot of that. Uh, uh, like I said earlier, the, the the trend back 30 years ago was for locally owned hospitals, county owned, mm -hmm. and that's gradually moved uh, to corporate owned. And a whole lot of the hospitals that we've had close in Tennessee were once uh, county owned. The counties. Uh, for financial reasons, decided to sell those, and they change hands typically two or three times, then the corporate owner decides that they're either not making enough money or they're losing money, and uh, to them it makes sense to close it, and they do. And they may be closing it with a considerable debt to the community. Yes. I think uh, Decatur we, General was one that hung on for a long, long time in western Tennessee. Actually, I think it's still hanging on, but barely, and they have, they've, they've had a terrible time. Mm -hmm. They run up a big debt. Now, this one was still owned by the county. Uh, the county assessed all of the automobile owners a, a fee for a period of time to pay for the hospital to keep it operating, and they've had a couple of owners that have come in and made offers. They actually sold the hospital mm -hmm. once that. a couple mm -hmm. of years ago and uh, the new buyers came in and operated it for six months, never made a payment on it, and then they either walked away or the county booted them out. I'm not sure which it was, but, but they were gone. And we had talked a little bit about Ballad Health uh, in eastern Tennessee. Um, around the uh, area of Appalachia. Uh, this, this was really confusing, but uh, apparently it started out with uh, two hospitals that merged with another two hospitals, but eventually this Ballad Health Care System uh, in eastern Tennessee, also uh, parts in Kentucky, Virginia, and North Carolina. Uh, it's 20 hospitals across an area about the size of New Jersey. Yes. And... Uh, it serves 1.2 million people. So people at various hospitals, especially uh, one town in particular, uh, was very upset because they had a neonatal unit and a level one trauma. And the CEO was quoted as saying, well, we, you know, we can't have one of those on every corner. So there's a lot of corners <laughs> in the size of New Jersey. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of corners up there. And you know, originally that that merger it was between a company, a hospital company called Wellmont, mm -hmm. and another one I believe they called it Mountain States. Right, right. They they put the two hospital groups together, and a piece of the uh, certificate of public advantage, I think, is the term of uh, the okay. permission that granted them the right to do that merger, specified that uh, for at least a period of five years they couldn't close any of the hospitals. They had to keep services and a variety of other things. But one of the reasons folks are getting really upset is like downgrading the emergency services and uh, ICU units, neonatal care units. And, uh, there, and there's also a cost that's going to the uh, local 
customers of those hospitals. Because right. they're, they're trying to bunch uh, a lot of the expensive treatments that it appears into the Johnson City Hospital. Mm-hmm. For example, oncology uh, treatments, uh, uh, chemo and other therapy that was done in one of their clinics in Kingsport, uh, that was discontinued and you had to go to the hospital in Johnson City for that treatment. Well, that's not that far away, but for low-income people, it's, it's a burden to get there. But the real killer is that in addition to the treatment they were paying for in the clinic, they now have to pay a two hundred and fifty or so dollar that, facilities I'm, fee on top I'm of that. Onto the, I'm onto that. <laughs> so, um, I I worked for an oncology practice in Atlanta, and uh-huh. they were all uh, even our competitors. We were all grouped under uh, one of the major hospitals there, and that was uh, and there was a facilities fee. So we had patients that all of a sudden. Uh, came in within a week or two, and they had, uh, then it, I think it was $174. And that's basically to walk in the place and keep the lights on yes. in addition to all the other reimbursement. And and fortunately, as a provider, um, you know, I was one of the first line of, you could take care of the patient and their concerns and needs health care-wise. You had to spend 10 minutes uh, trying to justify that, which... Is very difficult to do, so that's a sneaky little thing. It, when it everything is, is hospital based. I, I interviewed one of those patients that were subject to that, mm-hmm. and they've uh, they've really been uh, doing a lot of protesting up there because of the changes, and I think that's it's pretty unique in that the government, the federal government, allowing them to merge those together at covering that big a territory. I know it would have been illegal under federal law. And then a state senator pushed through a a special certificate of public advantage to the state legislature, and that authorized it to happen. But they're having problems. I saw recently, uh, uh, I believe it was within the last week, that uh, some political figures and health departments were opining that... uh, Ballard was not responding to consumer complaints appropriately and was not addressing them. So uh, they're under the conditions, uh, the restrictions of that agreement. Uh, I'm assuming they'll get to continue with it, but they are facing some scrutiny. Well, uh, part of the deal, I think, as well was to give $310 million to the community for a variety of services and wellness programs and counseling and um, I had a I had a whole list it all sounded lovely and I um, was curious to see how that was going of course some of these things as you know take some digging because you go to the website and everything looks really good you won't see anything about that on the website <laughs> <laughs> so, but it is a monopoly. I mean, people don't have a choice, you know, to That's compare right. and uh, make a decision or be unhappy and be able to take their uh, business elsewhere, which we may have time to uh, talk about consumerism and some of the things that are in Tennessee's C-A-R-E care plan. Um, okay, well, probably it doesn't take much to figure out what happens to a community that loses its hospitals. 
uh, much a great emotional toll and fear. And it affects a lot of people. Sometimes people you don't even think about. We were up in Clay County uh, several days ago uh, visiting with people up there. Their hospital closed. I believe it was the 1st of March. Uh, Clay County is a beautiful county. Uh, it's rural, it's mountainous with forests and clear streams and, of course, Del Auto Lake. They had been advertising themselves as a retirement home, right. encouraging people to come and retire there. And, and once the hospital closed, then, of course, when you become a senior, you have to have health care, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's killing that off. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's emotional. Uh, hopefully that hospital gets reopened, but we don't know yet. It has been sold. Uh, pending state approval, but that community was devastated. We've visited with a number of people that are seniors. We've visited with some business owners, and uh, their their future looked dim and with with no hospital because it's so far. Part of the reason is because it's so far to another facility. Right, right. And we have a whole lot of rural around here. Yes. The state response to this crisis, um, one thing that uh, we talked about um, is the Rural Health Transformation Act, which is passed in 2018 to give a million dollars a year uh, to consultants to take a look at our rural hospital closing situation. They hired Navigant uh, out of Chicago and you had told me that they were just about ready to report on one hospital that they worked with? Uh, they had worked with a hospital in Oneida, Scott County. Okay. And uh, that hospital is still open, but it's been struggling for a number of years. And uh, my understanding, they were supposedly going to have a, uh, a report back to them about two weeks ago, but as of uh, late last week, they didn't have it yet. Okay, well, we run behind on things a lot of times. But so. I want to see if they can solve this problem without money. <laughs> I think the root of these problems, uh, a lot of these problems in, in Tennessee are health care, uh, outcomes, our hospitals is money, 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 money because health care is expensive, providers are expensive, equipment is expensive, medications are expensive, and there's only so much that you can squeeze out of but a rock, a turnip, whatever expressions they use. That is so true. And, uh, for the li- and maybe there is something they can find that will allow these hospitals to prosper without an a infusion of money, but I, I have to say I'm very skeptical of that notion. Uh, it's, uh, the best remedy that these rural hospitals can get is to get some insurance to the poor people that don't have any insurance so they can pay their bill when they go to the doctor right. and go to the hospital. Exactly. And, Expansion of Medicaid is probably the only way to do that. And certainly not asking for a block grant, which is less money and will cover no additional people and is also probably going to get turned down 
uh, or considered illegal. The purpose of Medicaid is to provide care uh, to people who can't afford it, to provide some assistance, not uh, decrease the number of people receiving benefits, and, and that's from the, the federal government. Um, I think some things that will be cut that I fear is maternity care. Um, there's a low reimbursement rate for Medicaid, which we said a few minutes ago. Half the births in the United States are covered by Medicaid. In Tennessee, it's 54%. That's a statistic from 2013. Childbirth is the most common reason for hospitalization in the United States, but when hospitals cut services in rural areas, obstetric units are the first to go. The problems in rural hospitals are low birth volume, staff concerns, uh, having an obstetrician on call that may not be busy all the time, all day, every day. Women still end up giving birth in hospitals. That doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly puts the, um, the mother and baby at risk. And if women have to travel 50 miles to the nearest OBGYN, they may skip prenatal care, further increasing the risk of poor birth outcomes. I think that um, we need more doctors, more providers. That gets cut. The number of physicians and the skill level of the physicians that might be manning the hospital or the emergency room. Over and over again, I hear telemedicine from our elected officials. Telemedicine can't deliver a baby. No. And a lot of these rural hospitals that that are closing, I think you just said that OBGYN is one of the first things to go when they're stopped. And pediatrics, too. And pediatrics. I bet. I couldn't uh, find that exactly. But, but. And, and that's one of the things that, that does keep a hospital and keeps it busier. Uh, and we have, uh, I think, a high rate for a civilized country of, 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 of childbirth deaths. Of both children and, and the mothers, and that's that's inexcusable. It but like one of one of our other hospitals that closed uh, at at McKenzie, Tennessee, we were up and visiting with some of those folks and visiting with the mayor uh, a few months ago, and she was telling me that they delivered uh, around five hundred babies a year in that hospital. Uh, it closed. Uh, the the purchaser. Bought the hospital, closed it, and of course they own another hospital 15 miles away. But it's in lowland, and when it rains and uh, and it storms, you can't get there uh, through the highways, and they and they don't deliver babies anyway. So they have to go all the way to a big hospital that's an hour away, <laughs> and over an hour away, and that's uh, it's really affecting that community. <laughs> that closure is well. The things that have to be solved certainly is is maternity care, uh, physicians, uh, emergency care. Uh, I think that there's little pop-up uh, hospitals, and some of the big hospitals are trying to have a little emergency room. I think that will be a severe financial uh, problem as well, because if you don't have primary care to take care of chronic illness, everyone gets sick enough and then they go to the emergency room, which is not appropriate for a lot of chronic um, diagnoses like diabetes. You can control your diabetes if you have a primary care physician. You don't have to wait until you're in a diabetic coma or hypoglycemia. 
And it's expensive at the emergency room. And then, yeah, and, and you're in the hospital. You yeah. have to be taken to the hospital. So that is a real, um, that is a real problem. It's going to take a more comprehensive look than just uh, um, dollars and cents. And then your ambulance and airlift transport, very, 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 very expensive. Uh, and small communities have trouble uh, having an ambulance or two. If one is busy or at the other end of a county and you need one at the bottom of the county and you only have one, then you know, you're, you, you probably could just drive yourself if you weren't having a heart attack or something more uh, serious than that. One of bleeding. the problems that that we have and that we're finding in, in almost all of these counties is that if the county itself operates the ambulance system, and, and in most cases that is the case, they had budgeted and, and bought ambulances and, and hired staff and trained them up to operate two, maybe three ambulances in these rural counties, but they were doing short runs of 10, 15 miles out and back to their hospital. Uh, for example, in, in McNary County, they had two ambulances, I think, and they were pretty well served in their county. But then when their hospital closed in 2016, the, instead of 10, 15-mile runs, their runs are now 45 miles. And so there, it's a three-hour turnaround, but yeah, they it, you gotta do come the back. whole thing. Uh, right. And we've heard rumors, horrible rumors, of people uh, waiting and waiting uh, with a heart attack for 30, 45 minutes for the ambulance to even arrive, much less take them to the hospital. And these emergency little units have to really be well-trained uh, with whatever technology because the patient, there's a lot you can do to stabilize a heart attack person. You can't just wave them on. And I have a, a colleague uh, working in a very rural area that a patient experienced a pretty severe burn and, and the uh, emergency room just wrapped, wrapped up the burned skin and said, go to the hospital. Oh, and wow. they ended up at the, at the clinic where uh, they treated it as best they could and then got them to a uh, burn specialist uh, in, in Vanderbilt. But, so you have to, have to have enough knowledge and skill to do a whole lot in these emergency rooms, not just, oh, you got to go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, these cases, uh, uh, managers of the emergency transport systems, they're, they're increasing the training. Mm -hmm. They no longer can just have an EMT. Mm -hmm. you know, they've got to right. be a paramedic. They've got to right. have some advanced training because instead of, stabilizing someone for 15 minutes to get them to they the hospital. for an hour too. It's for an hour now. Right, right. And so it's... It, well, that is one group of people that, that that I have known that are more than happy to do more and more. They like that. <laughs> they like that. I um, was thinking a little bit about what a perfect system would look like. Uh, coordination of care between providers and institutions. Uh, certainly a sustainable financial patient mix, transportation, wellness and prevention education, mental health services, including uh, opioid treatment and support. Uh, I could have gone on and on, but I think I stopped there. I, I reviewed um, an article about one hospital that had closed in Lewis County in Hohen, Hohenwald. Hohenwald. They closed, I think, in 1996. Well, they've had 
uh, some time to kind of get it together, but I think they've had a lot of help from Columbia. Is there a hospital in Columbia? Columbia, and that's in Murray County. Okay, actually. Murray County. Okay. And and they they have helped a lot. I think they have a satellite clinic in in Hohenwald uh, with a helipad, so they can transport folks rapidly. But uh, uh, the people in Lewis County or Hohenwald is they would much rather have a hospital. That oh they sure. Can use. Oh sure. Yeah. But they they are getting by, but. When you do that, you know, I think the uh, mortality rate's going to go up over time. Uh, the neonatal problems are going to go up over time because everybody doesn't want to go 50 miles to a hospital. Right, right. Or for or a good primary care. And that, that's a big part of the issue. Well, I think I was intrigued by by this because it is it was at least working after twenty three years to move the needle towards what we need. Yeah. More than any any other situation. I mean, usually they're just either gone, the hospital, or you know, valid. It's enormous a monopoly, and things may not be going quite as there's, smooth. There's a couple of other good examples okay. that. Uh, Seems to be working fairly well, too, and that's in Gibson County. They, uh, they had two hospitals close in neighboring towns in, in early 2014. Uh, the big hospital that's the next county down, it's a county-owned hospital, but it's huge. And they actually put in 24-hour emergency oh, centers uh, in place of both of those, and provide uh, ambulance service down to the big hospital when that's necessary. So that seems to be working for them, but now they're not a real long distance away, and the county is not having to bear that burden of transportation and that sort of thing. And and hopefully they can do things like lab and x-rays and mammograms and physical therapy I, I think IVs. they have a, a very well-equipped clinic okay. with the emergency room. It's, IVs it's not just emergency. Breathing treatments and maybe some specialist by appointment. Yes. Um, the company that I worked for in Georgia had physicians that would go to the rural areas and see uh, cancer patients maybe once a, week, once a week or once a month. And, of course, that puts a lot on the family and a lot of teaching by nursing staff for them to be able to get from one treatment to the other. Uh, in Atlanta, of course, you get a call from a patient who's not feeling well and says, come on in and you know, uh-huh. we'll see you and we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of it. And, and that always can be done. So anyway, all these things, like we said, money, money, money. We need lots of money to take care of our people. Um, do I like to have an action plan? At the end of the podcast, um, my podcast on health t- tend to be a little um, depressing. <laughs> well, there are things that can be done. There are lots of things that that can be done. I, I hope that we've helped to look at the good, bad, and the ugly with our presentation so far. And I'm just going to have to say, number one on, on my action plan is to oppose the Medicaid block grant. I think that's a very good first step. 
And second behind that and very close behind it is to continue to advocate for expansion of the Medicaid Mm -hmm. itself. I mean, if you really look at that, you know, Medicaid, uh, although their reimbursement rate is not the best, Mm-hmm. It's the system itself is very good in that the expansion would cover everybody that's not eligible for other insurances. It has a defined set of benefits that has to be covered, and there's no qualifications other than low income to get to get in it. So, I, the the block grant uh, to me is a very bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, some people have said, well, I don't see why we have to pay for everyone uh, else, but we do that already because somebody's got to pay for the the care. It's cheaper to provide insurance and primary care than it is uh, emergency care at the hospital. Now, I a lot of times, I think it's every time, they know it's not just a lot of times, it's all the time. <laughs> I'm telling the listeners to um, write or call or visit your elected officials. Uh, between this and the Medicaid block grant uh, podcast, you have lots of things that you can um, ask them about uh, the block grant and uh, Medicaid expansion and the hospitals uh, and what what are they going to do? This has been years and years that this has been kicked from one year and now one administration to the next. I also want to add, um, tell people to please be alert uh, to articles, discussions, programs, panels um, to learn to learn more. It, it is complicated, but you can take little pieces of it. And I know that uh, when it's something important, we can figure that out. Uh, there is a rural health care tour that's continuing through August. If you just check with uh, uh, Facebook or email or people in your community, uh, Gibson, Lauderdale, Haywood, Fayette, McNary, and Carroll counties, uh, tell people your story if you've had a, a good or bad uh, insurance uh, episode um, because personal stories are, are really, really impressive. Um, to elected officials, you know, to, to give them a better uh, look at what's happening to their constituents. I would also like to ask people to support a national health program. Um, my next guest in a few weeks is uh, past president of the Physicians for a National Health Program. Uh, she's going to break down uh, the tenants and uh, her thoughts on that. I know that many people are negative uh, about that because of things that they've heard, and there's a lot of rhetoric. Rhetoric. I would just ask the listeners to to go beyond that, as I have in the past. Uh, go beyond the rhetoric that says it won't work. It'll cost trillions every time I read something. It's another ten trillion dollars more, or we can't do that. Um, as Americans, we've always been able to do lots of things if we just put our minds to it. So that's the next time. Anything else that you can think of, Randall? Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's one of one of the things that we do is try <laughs> to spread this healthcare message that we've got to do better. 
Well, this was something, the hospital closures, that I really wanted to um, research myself. I try to look at things that we say over and over again and say, well, what does that, you know, what does that really mean? And uh, I kind of got uh, flummoxed by Ballad Healthcare there in eastern Tennessee. So when I met you and your team that had already done that work for me, I was very grateful. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks, everyone. Tell your friends about us, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.